0: Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 229. And it was recorded in Industry City. I guess it's really Sunset Park in Brooklyn, New York. But it's a lot of old docks down on the water that they've turned into shops and restaurants and things like that. And this was recorded at a rooftop soccer field. Really cool spot. Now, I had a Really horrible week. <laughs> and my day for recording this was also going really bad. It was one of those weeks where I just kind of felt like uh, everyone's, <laughs> all humankind is evil. People do bad things. And then I met with my guests and I recorded and I left like completely refreshed. Because time and time again, just like when I'm traveling, I'm met with kindness and really gracious guests welcome me into their home or they introduce me to their family or they link me up with a great product that they're making. And that always makes me feel really great. And so I feel better having recorded this one. And I was actually thinking, so we were talking a lot about the Philippines And I'll get to who my guest is in a minute. But when I was walking home in the pouring rain from recording, I was thinking to myself about all the wonderful people that I meet when I travel. And I've told most of my Philippine stories already. But I was reminded about how like horribly, horribly sick I was. If you're new, I got a lot of stomach issues. But I'm also not shy with eating anything. There's a lot of things that upset me. And So I had some real stomach issues for like over a month to the point where I was like, oh my God, is my appendix going to explode and leak out of my side? And so I had arrived in Manila and I was going to go to the mountain province in the north to get a tattoo from Apo Veng Od and didn't do enough research. <laughs> Uh, I took a night bus, and I knew there'd be jeepneys, but I didn't realize that you kinda had to have a guide. For one part, you have to take a motorcycle up to a hikeable part in the mountain. I don't know if that was just because it was pouring rain when I was there and it was super muddy and slick, but you needed somebody who could take you on like the hour and a half hike into the village. And so I'm on the bus. And I'm like, first I'm a sight for sore eyes because I'm not feeling well. But I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. And people are looking at me, I think kind of wondering, like, is this guy alone? What's he doing? Because the bus isn't only going to the village, it's making stops along the way and dropping people here and there. And at one point I'm thinking to myself, okay, don't have a SIM card in my phone I don't really know what I'm going to do if this is the wrong bus, if I'm going to the wrong place. And so there was a young couple and they were Filipino and they were across from me. And I was just like, ah, oh, man, like, do you speak any English? And they're like, yeah, of course, perfect English. I'm like, oh, sweet. And I, you know, asked them, what's the deal? Are you guys going up into the village? And they were like, yeah, yeah. And we've we've got this guide and everything. You need one. I'm like, okay, I don't have that. So like, did you bring food? You got to trek your own food in. I'm like, uh, don't have food either. Okay, I'm screwed. And they were like, listen, tag along with us. We got you. Throw some money to our guide. Like, we we're now we're a thruple. We're three people hanging out. And I ended up staying with them. We're at this place where it's just a floor. It's just a room like a one-room hut with a floor, that's it. But we became friends. On the way back, we rode the jeepney back. Like, I would not have been able to do this without them. I would have been completely stuck. And I was a total stranger, and they wanted absolutely nothing from me. And while it's maybe not directly tied to this podcast, the podcast is a lot about travel, and it just, when thinking about this, I was reminded that time and time again, I meet wonderful people doing great things, and that they're all over the world. And so if I can give you any wisdom, it's when you're feeling down and you're feeling that your back's against the wall and, you know, people can be kind of shitty. There's plenty of good people out there to, to balance it out. Like my guest. Do you like that segue? So my guest is a chef and he's a fantastic chef and he's a wonderfully kind man. His name is Chef King for Janakong, and he's born and raised here in New York. I found out about him because I was looking for somebody that was making hot sauce, and he has a company called Small Axe Peppers. You may have seen the Bronx hot sauce, which is one of their flavors. You may have seen it because it's on Hot Ones, very popular wing show on YouTube. Um, But I actually hadn't known that until I started looking a little deeper into King's story, he gave me a hot sauce that has fish sauce in it. How awesome is that? Who else is doing that? Brilliant. But basically his company sends seeds to local urban farmers who grow the peppers and then they buy the peppers back and they make the hot sauce. What an awesome idea. You don't have to do that. First of all, you can cut corners, (laughs) which a lot of companies do. And you don't have to do something that gives back. So when you're purposefully doing that and creating these connections and supporting local and helping to, to build up communities in, in urban centers, that's a really cool thing. He's also got a restaurant it has been closed for a little bit. He's working on an like education cooking show. He's got a ton of stuff going on. Another person who makes me feel lazy but deeply, deeply inspiring because he's doing so many things. We recorded on a rooftop. Uh, there were a bunch of kids running around. Kings got two really cute kids who were coming over and asking him for some stuff. I'm leaving all of that in. I don't like editing that stuff out. I like the uniqueness and flavor it gives to an episode, and I want you to feel like you were there. We were sitting there. And the sky was real dark. In fact, like right after we finished up, it started just deluging. So I'm looking up the whole time thinking, oh, my God, I hope it doesn't rain, it doesn't rain. But it didn't, and we got this one in, and I'm happy to bring it to you. So you can go to the show notes in whatever podcast application or player you're listening to this in, and you'll find a link to King's stuff, all of it. You'll also see a link to my Patreon account. It's a subscription-based service where you can give... Monthly and get some cool kickbacks. I'm just about out of the Morocco zines, but I'll mail you one if you want. Um, And I'm gonna work on some new stuff. I kind of left my job, and so now I have the opportunity to do a lot more creative stuff. I'm gonna do, hopefully, a new video project. So it's exciting times summer's here basically, it is hot in New York and I've got travel coming up so all sorts of really cool things to share with you and a lot more episodes coming up and I'm going to have time to do more, which is great. So I'm going to stop blabbing to you here and I hope you enjoy this conversation with King. Yeah, so uh, what brings us to... uh, Industry City. I mean, I've been to to some of the shops. I've never been (laughs) all the way down here.
1: I I know. Um, It's funny. I've I've been coming to Industry Industry City a lot, actually, this past month. Uh, But today in particular, uh, today we had this event over here with a new project I started called Cook Like King. And we held an event here. And Cook Like King, basically, uh, we focus on um, doing cooking lessons. Uh, but they're virtually, they're virtual, mm. right? We we kind of came up with this concept, uh, Aubrey Shipway and I uh, came up with this concept. Uh, our kids go to the same school and we did this for one of the uh, organizations at school, like a sustainability company. Oh, it's great. And they asked me to, if I could contribute a dish that I thought was sustainable. And I came up with a fried rice dish, you know, take, clean out your refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Um, all you need is rice and some seasoning and we'll make some fried rice. And that's how it kind of started. And today, and, and we, from that, we branched off into Cook Like King, which we geared towards uh, corporations and, uh, you know, law firms, uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, any any corporation where you're trying to do uh, team building hmm. stuff like that. And it actually worked really well because during the pandemic, nobody could do this live, you know, like the the wine and the painting and that kind of thing. So now it's turned into magic shows and. Uh, you know, name that tune and, and, and cook like king.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you if that grew out of the pandemic because I've, I've seen so many people in the world of food get really creative and uh, get this adaptability to start changing the way that we view the food world.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. It, it did stem out of the pandemic. And luckily we're at a point now where I think we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, right? Mm. And so today we did a live class, and instead of focusing on corporations, we did it for kids. Um, that's awesome. We did. <laughs> so, Does your kiddo? That is my kiddo. <laughs> yeah. so, oh, So we're still at the rooftop party, um, and it's a soccer roof. So if you hear the balls and kids running, that's the balls and kids running.
0: Uh, oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, but but today was great because we turned this into a live uh, cooking class today, mm. and it wasn't focused on uh, members of corporate societies, it was for kids. Yeah. So I did it. It was, uh, the kids ranged, I think, from uh, four years old up to like 11 or 12 years old. Oh, that's awesome. And we had 15 kids set up over here in the outdoor garden, and uh, I showed them how to make summer rolls.
0: Oh, so they great. their
1: own summer I was hoping, I was trying to save one for you, but everybody ate all the food, but I do have some hot sauce for you.
0: Oh, that's amazing! But
1: but, um, but yeah, the the um, the summer rolls are gone. I also I made some um, made some uh, pancit canton, which are stir fried yeah. noodles, and and uh, they ate that as well. And I made some fried rice, and that's gone too. <laughs> but Man. I did I did save you some hot sauce.
0: I would um. have loved that as a kid. Who you know, I didn't grow up in New York City, so I. I come from a, a family who's mostly German and Irish, so my the accessibility of of food from a wide range of cultures just like wasn't there for me. So to hear like a kid's able to have some it, like that is so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was great, and, and and yeah, I wish you would have seen the kids that they're all really from a diverse background. Uh, they don't all go to the same school; mm. they just happen uh, to be part of this organization uh, that my friend Melanie Trinidad started and it's it really what it does it's uh focuses on activities for kids to do after school yeah so they meet here every Thursday and every Thursday is a different activity they have music Uh, I think they're gonna have a talent show next Thursday so this was my Thursday where I'm teaching the kids how to cook oh man yeah
0: you're born and raised in New York
1: I was born and raised uh, yes born and raised here in New York City I'm a New York native I grew up in uh right across the river in Manhattan. Oh. Um, I actually live a block away from where I grew up. No way. My, my parents are still in the same building, so we grew up in Sty Town. Uh, I was born in Beth Israel Hospital on 18th and 1st, and my parents live on 20th and 1st, and I live just down the block from them in that same complex Sty Town.
0: How early in life <laughs> did you think, I'm gonna go the path of, of food as a profession?
1: Oh, that, that, that came much later on. Uh, you know, food as a hobby was very early in life, mm. just eating away. <laughs> I, I love to eat. Um, excuse me. So I found out, yeah, no, I love to eat and uh, eating from, uh, you know, always into food. Uh, I was lucky. My my uh, my mom sent my brother and I to the Philippines every summer. Oh, my mom's man. from the Philippines. Uh, my dad's from Thailand. Um, they both immigrated here in the '60s and, and met here in New York and, and got married. And uh, so my brother and I were born. It's just the two of us. And what my mom would do, which I didn't, I didn't really get it much because until I had kids of my own, uh, she would send us away every summer. <laughs> um, but, but I'll tell you, it's the most, the most uh, memorable moments of my life were, were during those summers growing up. So. Uh, my mom would literally, as school ended You know, we grew up in Manhattan uh, You know, I look outside my window in the morning You see the Empire State Building uh, School ends that, that day The next day we're on a plane to the Philippines Wow And the province we go to, uh, Silai uh, The tallest building is six stories high So it's like <laughs> you go from the biggest city in the world To like in the middle of nowhere in the world Is
0: that in the north? Uh,
1: that's uh, just south of Manila or,
0: Okay Yes Yeah, wow
1: um, Yeah, just just like a 30 minute plane ride out of Manila um, and I was lucky my cousins were, uh, there were eight of us growing up, all boys. And, um, you know, food was the center of everything, especially when there's eight boys. And Again, I didn't realize this until I had kids. You need to feed your kids. Yeah, <laughs> there's eight kids, you know, that need breakfast, lunch, and dinner growing boys. Um, so yeah, uh, the food was such a big part of our life. Like eating breakfast was a big thing you know lunch was a big thing dinner was a big thing like every, every day we had our kids table um, and uh, wow like uh, the, and just the food was amazing there um, you know just just the ingredients uh, the access to certain ingredients there that we don't have here you know the fresh seafood um, there's there's the wet market oh, yeah. and the dry market you know you're familiar with that like how they'll, they'll go fishing in the morning and, and they'll put that stuff out in the morning and um uh, the animals are slaughtered that day, like pigs are just slaughtered chicken, right? So everything's so fresh. The vegetables were just picked. Uh, so you have the wet market, the dry market. And I remember my aunt going there every morning. Once in a while I would join her and basically she'd pick out what we'd have for that day and it comes home and you know, it's amazing. And then, and then we're all Catholic, right? The country is like 98% yeah. Catholic. So Sunday, of course, we're going to church every, every Sunday coming back from church was just like a huge feast every Sunday, you know, and it was so amazing. And then, and then, so we're there for three months, right? In the summer. And literally from when we were, I started going there, I think when I was two or three years old, cause I spent a year there. My brother stayed there for about three years. And then, um, and then when we came back, went to school here and then we'd go back there every summer. And so the summer would end and literally the next day we're on a plane. We're all upset. You know, my <laughs> brother and I are like crying. We're leaving our cousins behind, our aunts and uncles, fly back to New York. And my, my mom never gave it. There was like no transition. And the next day, like our uniforms are laid out and, and we're walking to school, right? Like back in the city, like all the skyscrapers. And you're like, whoa, what, what is going on? So it was, there was always this big uh, transition coming, going there and then coming back. And, and that happened from when we were about three years old up, in, up through high school, actually.
0: Is there a particular dish or multiple dishes from those summers in the Philippines that you look back at with uh, fond feelings?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, there's, there's so many. I, I don't even know where to start. I, I mean, of course, the—so, uh, we lucky, I don't know, luckily in our family, well, for me, my, I'm an August— I have an August birthday. My cousins are, a couple of cousins are in June, July. Like, there were four or five of us had summer birthdays. So we were able to celebrate together. Yeah. <laughs> ask a, Ask Melanie there. Babe.
0: We got a kiddo looking for I water. Got,
1: yes. <laughs> ask Melanie. ever. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so the uh, so there were, we all celebrated birthdays all the time. And the big dish was uh, pancit, which are noodles. Yep. Right? So there's a very celebratory. The other big thing was having the lechon, the whole roasted pig. And I mean, you know, it's you know, I try to recreate it here. That's
0: a big birthday thing, right? yeah, 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 okay. yeah
1: huge. Um, and And I just can't recreate it here. You know, the the pigs are different here. they they're they're grown and raised and fed different things from back there, right? it's it's the whole environment is different. The climate, I mean, it's a tropical climate there. It's almost like when you look at, at uh, like, wine, uh, you know, the terroir, right? How, how how the grapes, the same variety, will grow different from one region to another. And it's it's the same way with, with the food we eat. I mean, a pig in the Philippines versus a pig here versus a pig in Italy are, are three different things. They're the same, but they're different. I'll give you one, too. I'm sorry to cut you off. I've no. seen
0: you make banh mi. Yes. Yes. Um, I had a conversation with Andrea Wynn a few years ago on here, and she explained the science of it to me, but I was telling her when I've been to Vietnam, the bread, it's like lighter and airier and you have this massive sandwich and you don't feel weighed down like you do in America. And she's like got into like, oh, let me explain the wheat to you there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Totally ab- different. Absolutely. Totally different. It's That's totally true. Um, yes. From the water, you know, just like bagels, how they say yeah. you, you can't have a New York City bagel in the Midwest, you know, which, which I, I think is pretty true. I mean... I'm I'm not a bagel expert. I've I love to eat bagels. You know I've made them a couple of times, but there yes, there's so many variables. You know, j- just like even the climates or, or altitude, right? I've I've cooked in Aspen and it's different cooking times and things like that. So yes, there's so many variables, and especially if you think about right growing animals, growing plants, uh, yes, all those living things, even us. Like it's just it's a it's a different climate. It's a different environment.
0: You also pointed to something that that I've been thinking about. And, you know, you you run a restaurant, so you let me know if maybe I'm off on this or not. But I think that, like, we are missing food culture in the United States. And I'm not necessarily talking about the food itself, but it's almost like a work culture thing where, like, when I've been to Europe, midday, the lunch break people are taking, it is long and slow, and people are having beers and relaxing or – Places I've been in Southeast Asia, like you said, like almost like every meal is almost like ceremonious and very social. And we're hanging out, we're talking and it's slow and slow. Um, I've been to coffee shops in Morocco where men will will have coffee and sit and watch like three consecutive soccer games in a row. And that's okay. (laughs) Um, I'm hoping maybe because things are starting to like shift outside here because of the pandemic that maybe we're rounding a corner on that, that is that something know. you've thought of?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I, you know, I realized that when we were very young, because so yeah, so going to the Philippines, right? And, and I was just saying how just every meal, right? Uh, what, mm. Just what we were talking about, how how it's just it's almost like an event, and but it's a great event. It's not like you're not being rushed, and I think that's what happens uh, when you're in the city environment, especially here in New York, right? Yeah. Everything's like boom, 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 one, two, three. And and I definitely found that I realized that right away when we were young because we'd come home. And again, it's just me, my brother, my mom and my dad, just four of us versus eight cousins and a bunch of <laughs> aunts and uncles. We're sitting at our small table in our small apartment. And it was not easy for the four of us to eat together. You know, my mom would be working. OK, you're going to eat with your dad tonight. He's going to prepare dinner and you and your brother eat. Oh, he has to run. Oh, I'm gonna come in. You know, so it was, you know, dinner would be ready. it wasn't it wasn't a big thing. Like we weren't all cooking, except on weekends or yes. parties, and that's different when they had time. But when it was a work day, it was it was tough to really sit and eat together. And as we got older, it got harder and harder because then my brother and I had more responsibilities. now we're working. And we actually made it a point to say on Sundays, we're going to visit you, mom and dad. We're going to have dinner together, play mahjong, play card games, scrabble, and then eat, hang out, and that's it. And, and we had to set that. Uh, we really had to set that every Sunday we do this. Because if we, we didn't, like for a while, we didn't set that. And, all right, I'll, I'll see you soon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, we just, <laughs> right? It's, you know and, and it's crazy because that's your family. Yeah. And now you gotta make like time and, and that's how it is now. These days you gotta you gotta text somebody and be like, Can I call you later? Is it okay? <laughs> When's a good time to talk? You can't even just pick up the phone anymore, like, hey, what's up? It's like, okay, is it okay to call you between three and five? Oh sure, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm free Monday, Wednesday, three to five, right? I mean, it's so crazy now. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it's definitely yes, yeah, a lot to do with this this environment, the whole city, the pace and yeah.
0: We, we've got bodegas here, you know, bodegas, corner stores. There is, I noticed something that was, like, pretty big, especially with kids in the Philippines. Um, I don't know the name. Maybe you do. But they're kind of like mini bodegas. Yeah, sorry, with a, sorry store. Okay. And you could yeah. get, like, the, the the bags of, like, flavored juices and waters? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes.
1: Yes, so the bags, right, in, in the little glassine bags. Uh, they tie them up and put a straw in there. Uh, yeah, the, well, that's because, you know, of the... Uh, it's big money there, the uh, the bottles that you return, yeah. right, the cash back. Like, it's not like here. People just like, ah, it's five cents, to so toss it in the garbage. Over there, they're very conscious of that. They won't let you take the bottle from those stores, so they put it in a bag, seal it up, and pop a straw. Uh, same thing with oil, like uh, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you Because, you know, you have to remember, uh, you know, not everybody, I guess, has the means to get one bottle of oil or one... You know, a, a quart of Pepsi or something, right? So let's get a little bit of Pepsi in the bag. You could select your oil, even salt. You may not be able to buy a whole box of salt. They'll sell you like a little glassine bag of salt. Yeah. Right? And, and it's it's the corner. They call it the Sari Sari store. And, and uh usually has like the person's name. It's like Jovi's <laughs> Sari Sari store, you know, and the Pepsi symbol. Um, but yeah, no, those are great. And then they'll have like beautiful bananas hanging there. You could buy rice there yeah. at any amount you want. Um, yeah, any any type of dry goods, and, and you're right, it's it's very comparable to a bodega. Yeah, I don't think this is yours. But <laughs> no, it is. That's not yours. No, it is. It's not. It is. It is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. Sorry. No, that's alright. <laughs>
0: you're so um, cute. Thanks.
1: And uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Shit. No,
0: listen, listen. It's okay.
1: Uh, is this this is what living in the city is like? You know, this it's is actually <laughs>
0: what this is what I love about this. I don't like having a format. Um, you know what? When I was I I'm a massive Anthony Bourdain fan, um, and something that he did that I think is just massively underrated was. He never really did endorsements or promotions or anything, but he did this series, Raw Craft, for Balvenie. It's, I guess, a whiskey. I've never had it. Um, Uh I've talked about this probably ad nauseum at this point, but he had craftsmen on, and it was a beautiful way to, like, take, I must do an advertisement, but I'll turn it into a way to promote these people and to show something really great. So in my small, (laughs) very small way, I like to do that. And I had uh, a gentleman on who makes fish sauce, I had someone who makes soy sauce in whiskey barrels. And I was like, let me try to find somebody local who does hot sauce. I think that would be great. And that's how I got clued oh, on to you okay. and then oh, found, cool. oh, my God, you do all these amazing things. But <laughs> I, I would love for you to to talk about the hot sauce and, and how it's sourced and the whole story behind that.
1: Sure, sure, absolutely. So uh, Small Axe Peppers... Uh, found it, I We founded that about uh, seven years ago. Me and 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 my my uh, my nursery school buddy, actually uh, John Crotty. We've known each other since we were three years old. Uh, we both grew up in Stytown together. You know, went to nursery school together. And um, he got into uh, the housing uh, market. Into uh, he he does affordable housing, and I got into cooking. And um, we reconnected and and he uh, asked me if I could help him out with one of his properties in the Bronx and figure out a way we can make things sustainable. And I said, absolutely. you know. And and so they had basically, uh, they were fixing up uh, homes that were in disrepair, so making them livable for the people in the community and and it it worked out very well. But they also had empty lots that they cleaned out that were being used as like junkyards and they took everything out. And I, you know, I said, let's, let's plant things. And we started planting things in there. And the, the, then the, the idea we had, the grand idea was to like, wow, we could grow our, we'll have our own garden. And uh, they were going to get a space for me to have a restaurant and we could harvest kind of like, you know, like farm to table and do this in the Bronx. And I loved it, but then when we started getting closer and closer to it, you know, then reality just kind of set in. There's a three-month growing season in, in New York City or in the, the East Coast. Uh, you know, the gardens are not nearly as big as this where we are right now. It's maybe like a third of this, right? And so it's really not sustainable. I mean, once you harvest everything, we have meals for I don't know a week or something, and then that's it. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> wait for the seeds to grow again. So that didn't really work out. And then uh, we thought about something that we can make that'll be sustainable and that the whole community could be involved in. And that was uh, where we came up with the hot sauce. So the hot sauce is, is shelf-stable. It doesn't have to be refrigerated. We, we started growing in five gardens about seven years ago in the Bronx, and now we're in 35 gardens in the Bronx. And we're also in about 10 or 11 cities nationwide. Following that same model basically donating pepper seeds to community gardens in urban areas. Um, these urban gardeners grow the peppers for us, and we buy them back at a premium, and we take those peppers and we make hot sauce with it. Wow. And, and the Bronx hot sauce was our first one, and and I thought, you know, we never thought, like, we'd be here seven years later, like, oh, yeah, well, now we're in ten cities, and, you know, we just thought, like, let's, let's do the five boroughs and have one for each one. So we, we did the Bronx, we did Queens, and that's when... You know, I mean, I'm in the food business already and and I'm doing um, cooking classes and, and, uh, you know, food shows. I I graduated from CIA out upstate, um, Mm -hmm. Culinary Institute of America, and, and I've also been invited to go back to... To do demonstrations in a Napa campus and in uh, New York campus, so you get all these connections. And hey, what are you up to? You know. So besides the restaurant, oh, I'm making this hot sauce, and then the word kind of spread. And oh wow, I have a garden in San Antonio. They'd be in- interested in this, and so that's how we kind of spread out to different areas. And um, and it's it's been going really well. The, you know, the sauce, like like with the Bronx hot sauce, for instance, uh, they're very natural sauces. There's no gum in there. There's no preservatives. Um, Six ingredients, you know, that one's just uh, serrano peppers, uh, apple cider vinegar, uh, tum- uh, onions, garlic, salt, and sugar. Wow. That's it. And and so there's enough acid in there to make it shelf-stable. So And there's no stabilizer, like I said. So sometimes if it sits, it just separates. You just got to shake it up, and it's good to go. Uh, and what I try to do is try to make the flavor profiles for each of the cities kind of different, depending on where they are. You know, so like for Chicago, we did one for Chicago, and I, I my influence for that was the Chicago Red Hot, uh-huh. you know that hot dog. So all those toppings you put on the Red Hot are in my sauce, oh, except that's for awesome. the hot dog. And, and that became a sauce, and, and it's apparently doing very well. People like it. Uh, we have one in L.A., and the inspiration for that, you know, California raisins. So I have raisins in the hot sauce. Ooh. Uh, Makes it a bit sweeter. A little bit sweeter. Georgia, I did one for Atlanta. We have the hot Lanta sauce, and I put uh, peaches in there, Georgia peaches. Oh, so man. I try to get something from each city and so to make it kind of unique for that city. So And, and you know, what I like to think, there's not only just heat, because I love hot sauce, even before I started making this. But the thing that got to me, it was like, you know, there's some hot sauces people really like, and, and I, I don't know, it's become like a cult thing, right, over the years. And uh, but there's some sauces where I I I, know, I don't get it, but th- people are just looking for that crazy amount of heat, right? And and you know you want your eyes to tear, like sweating, and and um, which I guess there there is a time and place for that. <laughs> but but when, when I made this sauce, i I was focusing on not just heat, but also just a good flavor all around. Mm-hmm. You know, so it'll enhance the dish you're eating, um, not just kind of just not just throw like fire on it and you start sweating and flames coming out of your ears. So th- so that's kind of what I, I always keep in the back of my head when I create these sauces.
0: That's beautiful. I will tell you, I've had some serious trouble with heat. Again, come from a German-Irish background, not cultures that use a lot of heat. Maybe some horseradish, but these are like meat and potato cultures, right? Yeah. So yeah. I was living in uh, Indonesia for on and off kind of like for close to six months and I was seeing somebody and she liked her food really hot you go out we would go out for like an ikan bakar which is a grilled fish okay and you you'd I would get to the table and I would see it's just like coated in seeds and so already (laughs) I'm sweating because I'm nervous (laughs) but then I'm like the the foreigner at the table who's sitting there sweating mopping up his yeah. brow and that is very shameful behavior this is like <laughs> this guy can't hack it he shouldn't be at the <laughs> table so i appreciate the fact that i know exactly what you're talking about like the scoville levels and stuff some people are just trying to get burn their tongues out yeah. but yeah that's funny um have were you on was the sauce on one of those like heat in this shows or the, the yes yes show?
1: we've been on um yes that show <laughs> I'm blacking out now. Uh, what's the name of the show? Yes. Hot Ones. Hot Ones, yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay. Yes, we've been on there three seasons, actually. That's amazing. So we've had, and and for the third season we were on, that's when they asked us, they did some type of, um, they did some type of contest, and it was Chicago, no, it was Atlanta, I think, that won. Uh, they won the contest, Atlanta or Chicago. One of those cities won. I think it was Atlanta, and then uh, that's when they asked us, like, could you design an Atlanta hot sauce? You know, and I said, yeah, wow. sure. And, and that that was on their best of episodes. Like, they took the best hot sauce makers, and and yeah, we we yeah. So we've been on there for three seasons.
0: So did that that show give you like a big bump in? Exposure? Yes, big
1: bump in sales, exposure. We've been really lucky uh, in terms of, in terms of exposure. Yeah, we've been uh, been all over the place. Um, We got a big bump from uh, Rachel Ray. We were on the Rachel Ray show. You know, she said the Bronx hot sauce was like one of her favorite hot sauces. And she really liked the whole kind of idea behind it and how we're helping community gardens. Um, Got a great write-up just, I think, a month or two ago, we were in the L.A. Times. Wow. They talked about how, uh, how our hot sauces actually helped a garden there in particular to start bringing more people to work at that garden and and you know kind of getting out of the whole covid thing and into back into gardening and so we were there in the the LA Times the uh, New York Times wrote a piece about us in one of our Bronx gardens a couple of years back so yeah we we've, we've been uh, got some nice write-ups
0: I've been it's not a perfect analogy but I've been really interested in what's happening right now in the financial world with like the GameStop stocks and the AMC stocks and I know some people think oh it's just a bunch of kids on the internet but what I think it's it's teaching a lot of people about these financial institutions. And at the very least, it's helping people to see like, how they're kind of screwed over on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of people in the food world, and yourself included, who are using food in in a way to change the game. What you're doing with the farms, in a way, isn't something new. It's kind of basic, but it is an alternative to this big business model where there's this major corporation at the top that's extracting resources and money and it's putting money back Mm -hmm. into the community we'll we'll let your your kiddo come over (laughs) (laughs) um and so what i see what you're doing is really admirable do you think that it's something that can be is reproducible maybe is the word amongst you know uh you know, uh, a majority of, of chefs and companies. And maybe this is like, uh, a future that we're heading towards.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Uh, especially over these times, uh, you know, or the past year, which was, uh, not the best for everybody. And, um, I think, yes, I think people are definitely more conscious now about everything around there. And if they're not, they definitely should be. um, You know, for me, I guess seven years ago, that was kind of my awakening was I was at this point where I just felt like um, to me, it was, you know, it was just like giving back. Like, all right, I know I can cook and I can make you a great meal and we'll have a great time. But where else can I take those skills? You know, and and, and for me, it was like, yeah, you know, working with gardeners. Really starting from just the seed and turning that into a hot sauce. So what we do is we also go back and visit these gardens. I bring the sauce with us. We harvest again what they're planting, and they wind up cooking a meal there. I mean, it's the most amazing mm-hmm. thing. And and if you were part of that, that you planted these seeds and grew it, and now you're trying the sauce, it's 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 just this this amazing cycle. And and really, and it's life and it's food bringing us all together. And and I think it just also goes back to what we were saying, like. How it was in the Philippines, like growing up as a kid. You know, it's it's simple, yeah, right. It's simple. Like you, you know, and, and this you could get so caught up in in being here in the city, or you know, not just New York. Maybe it's the Western world, and and you want to be ahead, and you want to be on top, and and that stuff just catches up to you. That stuff catches up to you. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Five more minutes, and then um, that stuff catches up with you, and. Um, Yes, it, it, you know, you need that moment to step back and kind of reflect. So I did that with a hot sauce. Um, I started teaching at, at a culinary school, um, ICE, the Institute of yeah. Culinary Education. You know, I took that profe- that job as well. Um, again, like, I just felt like, you know, I have my restaurant, I'm cooking, and I want to do something, I want to teach, like, future cooks, you know, and and how whatever I could pass on, whoever's willing to learn and, and willing to listen, I'd love to share what I know, and and I had such a good time doing that. You know, I'm I'm still there part-time. And they've also opened up the doors for me at ICE, kind of. uh, I also work with their marketing department. So lately, I don't know if you've seen these videos. I've been doing these videos for Epicurious and, yeah, for just different... Places We've been filming and uh, they've been great, like some instructional videos, some entertainment videos, but they're all centered around cooking, you know.
0: And I'll, I'll link to all of that. So if, if people don't know what we're talking about, you could get that directly in the app you're in. Okay. Um, you also work with like No Kid Hungry.
1: No Kid Hungry. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So I work with No Kid Hungry. We, I volunteer with them, uh, you know, advocating for, for kids who really can't advocate for themselves because a lot of people don't realize uh, a lot of kids um, – who don't get breakfast or lunch at home really rely on the school system mm. and, and also other agencies that work with the school system to bring these meals for these kids. So they show up to school early, you get breakfast, you have lunch at school. Now, what happened during the pandemic? A lot of schools were closed. So, you know, it it this hunger issue came up again and, and a lot of people... Don't have access to that, so we had to find places for kids to go to get these meals. Uh, same thing in the summertime. Like in the summertime, school's over. Now what? You know, I mean, it's a little more easier here in the city, but you imagine being somewhere rural. Um, you're not going to your school because your school's closed now. Now where are we? Where are we going to meet? How am I going to get there? There's no more school bus. What if you don't have a car? Like who's going to bring the food? So th- these are these are issues that. That kids face, and and if you don't have the proper meal, you, you can't learn. I mean, you, you know, you you need to have some nutrition to get the brain going, right? To get the system going. Um, so it's a really vi- vital uh, part of life, and and that's why I really enjoy working with No Kid Hungry. Um, and yeah, so we're we're doing all this advocating, which is a great thing uh, for the kids, and um, yeah, and and just making more people aware of it that. You know, we take a lot of things here for granted. And I, and I think also, especially during this past year, during the pandemic, I hope, I think people realize, right, how many how many things that we take for granted and yeah. that we don't have. And and that's why it's, it's good to just take a minute back, enjoy your meal, you know, enjoy the time with your friends and new friends
0: and just enjoy, enjoy life. I know the kids are itching to go, so I'll just ask you one okay. more thing. Um, you mentioned Rachel Ray before. Uh, when I was growing up, like when we ate, it was often very practical. And my dad used to do this thing where like, he would do like a fake happy meal. Like we would have a lunchbox <laughs> and he would, uh, just make like frozen French fries yeah. and hot dogs and stuff. And we would have that. Um, I think what Rachel Ray does maybe for some people isn't like the sexiest food, but it's like, it's food for like busy working families, you know, oh, like very practical yes. stuff. Yes. Um, but I bring that up to say, not everybody has like a food rock star dad. Um, I keep seeing your kids here. What do you like to cook for your kids?
1: Well, um, that's a great question. So, you know, I, I've done what my mom cooked for my brother and I growing up. Like growing up, we we had a lot of Filipino food, mostly Filipino food. Um, so I have uh, we have chicken adobo on the menu at least once a week at home, adobo and rice, uh, pancit. I do for the weekends or special occasions. Um, Again, like if we have time, well, especially during the pandemic, we had a lot of time because I wasn't at the restaurant. So we were making many things, uh, rolling our own lumpia, making our own pizza. Uh, They really they're great. I mean, they love to pretty much eat everything, which I'm I'm very happy of. Um, But what I found, I was telling some of the parents this, this evening that if if you if you cook with your kids it really gets them into trying things rather than just like cooking it up and putting on the plate and putting it in front of them and go hey here's dinner you know if you get them involved in making them it's it's making the dinner it they they really open up and they're willing to try
0: i don't know if that is thunder or not (laughs) (laughs) so um that's a wonderful point and a wonderful way to end this. Um, thank you. I know it's likely a very busy day for you. You do a lot of things, so I appreciate you squeezing me in. Oh your no,
1: Tim, it was, it was a pleasure meeting you, man. Thanks, King. Yeah, pleasure.
0: Hey, everyone. That is a wrap on episode two two nine of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thanks, King. You are wonderful. It was great to talk to you. I'm so fortunate that now I get to call these people a friend and to continue friendships and relationships and to have their amazing food. Like I said, uh, he hooked me up with a bottle of his hot sauce that I immediately brought home and started scorching my tongue off with. It's really delicious stuff. So go to the show notes and check out Small Axe Peppers and, and everything King's doing. Um, again, he's really like prolific, he's doing a lot of stuff, it's awesome. Okay, lots of stuff will follow this episode, so stay tuned, like, subscribe, rate and review, all that good stuff. Reach out to me, thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com. I'm thevoyagesoftimvetter on Instagram, that's kind of the only one I use, I got a Facebook, don't really like Facebook. So hit me up on Instagram. That's it. Okay. Thanks, Voyagers. As always, please, please, please take care of each other. I'm going to catch you very, very soon.